Welcome to the Let's Think About That podcast where we don't just react. We'll break it down and think about it. We're going to talk news, the law, sports, whatever we're thinking about. We're your host, Ed Yeager and Lee Allen. Lee, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Ed. I hope you are. I'm doing okay. You know, it's been such a slow week in the news. Wasn't sure what we were going to talk about this week. Yeah, we, we, we may have to tell jokes or something. I hope you've got some prepared. I, I didn't prepare any jokes. It's been interesting. Big topic this week, of course, is Afghanistan and uh, the rapid Taliban takeover of the whole country and what seems to be a totally unprepared Biden administration to deal with literally tens of thousands of American citizens and, and nationals who were there. Absolutely. And and not only were they caught with their pants down, but they haven't gotten any better in terms of responding and getting in front of anything. It's all reaction and it's all slow and the optics are terrible. Our allies are upset. The populace is upset. The military is upset. It's, it's a disaster, uh, both politically for the president um, and and also for the people involved, not to mention what it does to our standing in the world and our uh, our ability to attract and keep uh, our allies. Uh, I mean, it's just a it's awful. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a horrible week for the Biden administration. Of course, they you know they claimed that the adults were back in town, but it looks like amateur hour there. Yeah, uh, like kindergarten amateur hour. I mean, it it is they can't tell the same story. Um, it's, it's amateur hour. That's exactly what it is. Bozo the Clown Show. When it took, uh, Biden was at Camp David on a vacation. It took him, I don't know, four days, five days to come back to make a statement, after which he got back right on the plane, on the helicopter, back to Camp David so he could finish his vacation. And this is just a part of his statement. And I, before I play this clip, Lee, you know, I think this kind of gives us a sense of what Biden told the American people the other day when it was clear this was going horribly. But there were so many clips we could have chosen that were just horrible in it. But let's let's hear a little bit of what he said. I am president of the United States of America, and the buck stops with me. When I came into office, I inherited a deal that President Trump negotiated with the Taliban. The choice I had to make as your president was either to follow through on that agreement or be prepared to go back to fighting the Taliban in the middle of the spring fighting season. We were clear-eyed about the risks. We planned for every contingency, but the truth is, this did unfold more quickly than we had anticipated. So what's happened? Afghanistan political leaders gave up and fled the country. The Afghan military collapsed, sometime without trying to fight. So, you know, a couple of things jump out at me on that. First, he says the buck stops with him, but then he blames the Trump administration. He blames the African leaders. He blames the African soldiers. He blames basically everybody but himself. He says they prepared for every contingency, but it's hard to see what they prepared for at all. They don't even know how many Americans are there, much less friendly Afghans. That's that's true. And and they don't have a plan. Uh, They denied uh, having the capability to get people out. Uh, Millie and, and the SecDef did, um, Austin, and then the State Department spokesman earlier today said that there was no country with more capability in Afghanistan than the United States, which, I mean, which is it? Um, and uh, the British apparently are sending out two para-regiment 
they're going out and getting British citizens and bringing them to the airport. And if other countries' citizens are there, uh, then they will uh, pick them up, so to speak, too. But they won't go looking for, say, just Americans or just Frenchmen. But uh, if they happen to be with some Brits, they'll bring them in. And we don't seem to have any idea of what we should do, uh, much less how to do it. And I saw uh, earlier today on Twitter that the military p- folks who are there um, and at, at, at sort of the field grade and below are getting upset over comments like we don't have the capability of doing these things. Uh, it's more a question, uh, it seems, of not being allowed to do these things. And, and, and the question in my mind is why? I mean, what possible reason could the Biden administration have f- for just leaving people and telling them, hey, you got to get to the airport on your own and we can't guarantee your safety, but if you want to get out, you got to get to the airport. Then this afternoon, we learned that uh, at least as of August the 14th, it was announced by the State Department that uh, you have to pay for your flight home. Um, and, and that's not been changed, at least if it's been changed, no one knows it. It's been reported that it hasn't been changed. $2,000. Yeah, they're demanding $2,000 from people to get on a, a plane to go home out of this hellhole. And, and I, for the life of me, I can't figure out why. I mean, the optics are terrible. Uh, one thing about this that has struck me since it started, I guess about this time last week, is the mainstream media, they might be slow walking some of these stories, but they're no longer covering up for Joe Biden. Um, and that's a that's a change. Um, and they look terrible in the in the media. And I just don't understand what the goal is. Uh, there's, you know, Biden has has basically dug his heels in and said, we're coming home, which I don't have a problem with. Uh, it's the manner in which he chose to leave. Uh, and now he's saying we're not putting any more troops in. Um, well, I don't think you can say that, even if that's your goal, even if that's the answer, because who knows what could happen? I mean, what if, you know, there's some disaster and this, I guess the ready brigade of the 82nd was inserted uh, over the weekend. I mean, if, if you got to go get those guys out. And the notion, Ed, of giving up Bagram Airfield, which was impregnable, built by the Soviets, improved by us, with two airstrips, wouldn't a second lieutenant know better than that? You have to think so. You know, we talked about this last week. In fact, I've got to, I've got to tell you something, Lee, before we get any further, because I was going back and listening to last week's show. Mm-hmm. And when we did the segment on Afghanistan, the last thing that I said was, I have a feeling we'll be talking about this again very quickly. You were prescient. I, I had no idea it'd be in, under these circumstances. But, you know, the idea then was we, we kind of agreed that at some point this had to come to an end and we couldn't be there forever. But the other side of that story is that no Americans had died in a year and a half. And right. I remember you saying a, that. Yeah, we had a very small force there, so it, it was a fairly stable situation. It wasn't, and we, it wasn't pressing. In fact, I said, you know, one of the things I said is that we're not leaving under the gun; we're setting the conditions under which we leave. The problem was that I think not only, like you say, would a second lieutenant that figured some of this out, but the expectation was that if the government's pulling out the military from Bagram Air Force Base, that means they've got a handle on the rest of the stuff. Mm-hmm. How you're getting out the non-combatants, how you're getting out the civilians, how you're dealing with the embassy personnel and family members, not to mention those special visa immigrants, the translators and interpreters who've helped us. 
there was just an expectation they've done that. They've done that work. They're ready for it. I don't even think they have lists now. I don't think they have numbers now. They don't even know how many. Admiral Kirby was asked this afternoon in a press conference uh, at the State Department uh, how many. He said, I don't, we don't have that information. You know, um, and, and, and uh, I mean, that's amazing. Um, and from what I read this afternoon, the Taliban is now going house to house in Kabul or Kabul, however you want to say it, and searching for Christians. Uh, I mean, this this is not going away anytime soon, and uh, it's it's politically for Biden, it's going to be you know death by a thousand cuts. It seems to me, uh, and I guess uh, interview with uh, George Stephanopoulos on ABC or done by ABC was it last night or yesterday afternoon, and they've been releasing part of it, and apparently it's bad. And the pressure has been put on ABC to release it all, and they won't. And folks are saying, well, if, if this is what you released and you didn't release it all, that, the rest of it must be awful. I mean, I, one of the things I noticed that he did was he said that uh, uh, the United States was pledged militarily to defend Taiwan in the event of uh, an invasion, which um, since hasn't really been U.S. policy since 1979. Um, whether it should be or not is a different issue, but uh, it hasn't been. And he said that in this earlier today, the State Department was, was having to walk that back. I mean, it is, you know, bad. He is a self-proclaimed foreign policy expert who just this week uh, reminded the, the public that Barack Obama, Obama chose him as his vice president, uh, principally because of his foreign policy experience, who has driven the ship of state aground in seven months. It's unbelievable. And it'll, it'll take generations to repair the damage to our uh, foreign relations. And, and, and I mean, it's, it's just unconscionable. Well, there, there are a couple of different things that come out of what you just said that I want to to kind of discuss and break down a little bit. The first has to do with, I think there's a lot of political infighting now, and you're starting to see it. And that's why the mainstream media is having to take notice of it, because they love the intelligence community when it was beating up on Donald Trump. Well, now they're starting to see these stories that everybody wasn't on the same page. Uh, the Wall Street Journal at five o'clock today released an article by Vivian Salama, who's done a lot of reporting on this, that back in July, almost 24 State Department officials sent a cable to Secretary of State that Afghanistan was going to fold quickly if something wasn't done. Uh, that was apparently ignored. Uh, there was uh, this piece of reporting that I'll play in just a moment this morning on Fox and Friends, and Peter Ducey kind of broke down the difference between what the president has said and what General Mark Milley, the, joint, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, has said, and they don't seem to be on the same page at all. We are now hearing two different things from the White House and the Pentagon. Here at the White House, the president is saying he always knew it was going to be messy at the end of the mission. We're going to go back in hindsight and look, but the idea that somehow there's a way to have gotten out without chaos ensuing, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that happened. So for you, that was always priced into the decision? Yes. So the president saw the chaos coming, but the top general didn't. Following our departure, there was nothing that I or anyone else saw that indicated a collapse of this army and this government in 11 days. So you hear, you can just hear that breakdown. They don't seem to be on the same page. The other thing, since you mentioned that interview with Stephanopoulos, 
is, yeah, it was a disaster. Uh, at one point, Stephanopoulos is basically trying to guide Biden on how to answer the questions. And he wouldn't take the bait. No, no, he couldn't <laughs> even understand that part. But then there was this sound. But we've all seen the pictures. We've seen those hundreds of people packed into a C-17. We've seen Afghans falling. That was four days ago, five days ago. What did you think when you first saw those pictures? You know, Stephanopoulos asked him about the, the images of, of Afghans clinging to an airplane and falling to their death. And his response was, that was four or five days ago. I guess it doesn't matter anymore. That's right. Um, horrible. News cycle. Yeah, it's, it's, it, and it, it's, you know, it's coming out. It's continuing to come out. He's lost. I mean, I noticed Richard Engel posted this afternoon, Richard Engel from NBC News, who's, who's no conservative, um, but he has spent like, I don't know, 15 years or something uh, and learned how to speak Arabic and, and all kinds of things in order to develop some sources in Afghanistan. He tweeted this afternoon that he was hearing of several organizations, companies, and philanthropists who had chartered planes, have elaborate, detailed plane plans in place, ample resources to get folks, Americans, out, and they're not being allowed to do it. Uh, by our government. So not only are we charging people when we take them out, but when others are willing to take them out, we're saying no. And I can't for the life of me figure out why. And apparently the, the British, I think, asked the Royal Australian Air Force and um, or maybe the British and the, anyway, some countries asked for some help and the Australians and another, maybe France, somebody said no, and they flew out of the plane with like six people on it, you know, a big military transport. It's just it, something's not adding up in terms of why. Um, if you're a conspiracy theorist, you see uh, these stories out there about these um, minerals that uh, there's a, a vein or, or whatever one wants to call it in Iraq, uh, or I'm sorry, in Afghanistan, um, and the Chinese want them in order to mine them. They're supposedly a trillion dollars worth of these chemicals which uh, or minerals which are uh, needed in order to make a lot of the uh, electric car components and the green economy um, components. And the conspiracy theorists are saying that, well, that was part of the payoff um, that the president got uh, from or owes China in terms of whatever, and I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to that. But it, it, this incompetence, this level of abject incompetence, feeds the nut jobs um, who who do deal in that, and it's it's not good. It's not good on lots of levels for 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 anybody. There's a there's a quote, and I can't recall who said it, but never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained by stupidity. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of my response to, to many of the conspiracy theories. I think this is sheer incompetence and bureau bureaucracy at its worst. It, it, yeah, and and it's it's incompetence coupled with um, a, a a lack of either a lack of caring or a, just a fundamental inability to appreciate the real world. I mean, you had Saki was going on vacation this week, even though the news started breaking last week. Put her auto reply on the email. Yeah, like Thursday night. Um, the president uh, first refused to come back. Uh, Ron Klain, the chief of staff, wanted him to come back because he thought it was a better scene. The optics were better for him to make a statement from the, from the White House. And Dr. Jill said no. And then when it continued to cascade with negativity from the from the news media they did decide to bring him back and then he immediately left 
and went back to to Camp David. Uh, you and I were talking before we came uh, came on tonight. There's a there's a story from Human Events or a writer at Human Events, Jack Posobiec, who says, and he has excellent sources within the White House, and he says that um, the president wants to go back to Delaware because he's having trouble sleeping in the White House and he needs a good night's sleep. To to get back circle back to your point about the infighting, not only is it among elected Democrats, such as congressmen and, and senators who are trying to distance themselves from this catastrophe, but there is apparently an, uh, a rift that is developing between the vice president and the president and their staffs. Um, she's been uh, hidden uh, for six days. She was photographed this morning at a meeting with the president. Um, she has a mask on, not everyone does, and she's kind of got her face uh, resting in her hand, trying, it looks like she's trying to hide. And then she's leaving, I think it's tonight, or maybe early in the morning on a, a trip to Southeast Asia. Um, and she's trying her best to get away from this. She refused the press conference on Sunday um, and said that she was focused on the earthquake relief in Haiti. Uh, that's after bragging in the spring that she was the last person in the room with the president when he made the decision to withdraw the troops. It's unfathomable how they continue to make these mistakes. One other element of the, the military part of this is that the Wall Street Journal has reported, and that's the only place I've seen this, maybe you've seen it somewhere else, that after the withdrawal decision, the U.S. pulled its air support intelligence and contract contractors who were servicing the Afghan Air Force. As well as logistical support. So while they keep talking about this over-the-horizon capability, we haven't even been using it for the last period of time since we left Bagram Air Force Base yeah. to help the Afghans stay in power. And and we trained the Afghan National Army to fight the way we fight, which is to rely heavily on air support. And to now criticize them when President Biden pulled the mechanics and the logistical folks who would help the helicopters and the aircraft fly, um, criticize them for not fighting in, 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 uh, in the face of that is, seems to me, very hypocritical. Um, and you're right. And now, you know, we talked several months ago when the president made the decision, and I think I actually said I, I approved of that decision, and, and I do think it's time to come home. But uh, there was, and we talked about the photograph of the large parking lot with the pickup trucks and the and so forth in it. And and he just kind of we left and we didn't tell anybody, didn't tell the Afghans, and and so those were left there. And I I basically said, well, you know, so what? Um, we had to do that for for operational security. But now we find that it's you know all kinds of small arms uh, aircraft uh, that belong to the Afghans. Uh, you mentioned and and I saw it. Uh, as well that the F-15 flight simulator, uh, and I'm sure that's now in Iran, uh, all kinds of munitions, bombs, missiles, you name it, they've got it. He's trying to take our guns, um, the president is, but he, he gave a ton of the dreaded AR-15, which the military calls an M4, and it has a little different capability, but it's the same platform, to, to the, the, you know, the Taliban. I, I, everywhere you turn, it's disaster, and and it's it's caused by Biden, and he's apparently unable or unwilling or both to accept that the problem is not the decision to get out, the problem is the manner in which he chose to leave, and you know this business about well Trump made a deal. Well, 
there are three ways to end a war. There's victory. Um, the other is a negotiated withdrawal, strike a deal. And the third one is defeat. And it seems that Biden, by the manner in which he has tried to effectuate the withdrawal, has, has gone from number two, the negotiated uh, exit, to defeat. It's disastrous. Well, and also, it's just so disingenuous to him say, well, Trump negotiated this deal. I couldn't do anything about it. He has reversed almost every Trump policy that he could with terrible results across this country in so many different ways. Right. And then to say, oh, I'll stuck with this one. Yeah. No, he, you weren't. He, re- he reversed them with glee when he wanted to. And now he, you know, he didn't do this one and he, and, and he oh, I'm stuck. Well, no, you're not. You're not. You know, you own this. You've been the president for seven months. This is yours. And back to the arms piece that we, the arms that we left behind. I, I don't know where that went up to in the Pentagon, but somebody should have known better. Yeah, than that. And you know, we we've lost this notion of, particularly with our public servants, and and uh, now it looks like even our, our our senior military leaders, this notion of honor. If you know, if if you're uh, Mark Milley or, or, or one of the other advisors to the president, and you said, Mr. President, you cannot do this. If you're the State Department and you signed that cable, you know, and he said, well, I'm going to do it anyway, then you resign. You know, you, you, that's the honorable thing to do. And we don't do that anymore. I mean, go back to the Clinton situation when, when he sent countless members of his staff and the cabinet out to say that the Monica Lewinsky uh, accusations were not true. And then when it turned out that they were, not a single person said, Mr. President, you caused me to lie to the American people, and I quit. Not a single one. And and I, I, I'm struck by, you know, uh, looking back at the Carter administration during the attempted rescue of the hostages in Iran, when Carter made the decision to do that, his then Secretary of State, Cy Vance, was against it. And he told the president, this is not going to work. I don't think we should do it. I'm telling you not to do it. And the president chose to do it anyway. And Secretary Vance submitted his resignation. Now, he timed it such that he would leave a little later so as not to to tip off uh, the Iranians or the news media or anyone. But he did the honorable thing. He used that. He said, you know, I have to go. We've lost that in this country, and it's it's not a good thing. I mean, there are worse things than quitting your job. And as kind of a corollary to that, our military, there are no consequences to screwing up. Uh, Thomas Ricks, I don't know if you know him, he used to write, but, and he's not somebody that I would typically agree with politically, but he wrote a wonderful book called The Generals. I thought so much of it, I bought three of them. Um, I checked it out of the library and left it in a hotel room, so I had to replace the library's book. Then I bought another one, and I lost that. <laughs> so now, so now I got a, a got one for a penny on Amazon, and it's falling apart. But I can tell you really like this book. <laughs> yeah. by how well you keep up with it? Yeah, uh, but you know, his premise was that in World War II and 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 older, but he, he focused mainly on George Marshall in World War II. You know, Marshall erred on the side of firing people. Even when maybe he was a little premature because we could, he could not afford 
for it to get any worse. And so, you know, if, if there was any question, he, he relieved commanders for cause and put somebody else in there. We don't do that anymore either. You know, and it goes back to uh, the Vietnam years where, where Westmoreland screwed up Vietnam and they promoted him to chief of staff of the Army. It's just, it's bizarre. So there's so much to go around on this story. I think we'll be hearing about it for, for weeks now. So we'll probably be talking about this again next week, I'm sure. So you're prescient again. Yeah, I'll go ahead and make that prediction today. One other sto- story that came out since we were here last was that um, a video leaked of, of Hunter Biden um, with a prostitute telling her that he'd had laptops stolen by the Russians. And I just found that fascinating after all the talk we heard about the Trump administration being blackmailed by the Russians. And Hunter Biden, the smartest man President Biden knows by his own words, had a laptop stolen. Another different that's different from the laptop that's he right. left in the repair store. Uh, he, he's not he doesn't keep track. He keeps track of his laptops like you keep track of the, your books. There. That's right. Um, but <laughs> he's, he, he says the Russians stole it and they're going to blackmail him with it. I, you know, what do you say about that? Uh, it's. It's just hard to believe. Uh, but I will say for purposes of the record uh, that I was alone in the hotel room when I left the uh, the book there. <laughs> I'm glad we've clarified that now. You know, one other thing that's happened since we were here last was the Field of Dreams game. Did you watch that? I did. Did you? I, well, I, I watched some of it. I, I, I knew I had something I had to do and I wouldn't see the beginning, so I DVR'd it. Mm-hmm. And then when I came back to the DVR, it wasn't there. It played music for four hours. So oh, apparently wow. you were not allowed to DVR. But fortunately, I had t- tuned in about the seventh inning. So I got to see the last third of the game. And really, all I needed was the last inning. I yeah. thought it was great. Great I, baseball. I, I did, too. It was a great game. The Yankees lost. That's always a, a an extra benefit for those of us who, who – uh, who don't like them. Um, the only thing I did not like was at the very beginning, Kevin Costner walks out of the cornfield, and it was just cheesy. You know, he, he looks like he's lost, he's holding the ball, he's kind of, and it takes him a long time to get to the field. And then when the players start coming out, that, that was different. I like that. That was cool. Um, yeah. Um, that was really, uh, I thought that was very, so other than that, I thought it was well done. Um, uh, the field was uh, you know, it was everything I kind of expected it to be, and then some. Um, and I saw yesterday, I think, that um, next year's game has been scheduled, and it's the Cubs and the Reds, I think. Is that right, Cubs and the Reds? I don't know. I haven't heard. I, th- I think it's Cubs and Reds. Uh, so I guess it's going to become sort of an annual thing. I-, I thought it was a very good thing and-, and good for the game, and then the fact that it ended the way it did uh, – it's a was, great ending. Yeah. That was exciting baseball that last, or the top of the ninth and the bottom. Of the yeah, ninth, and, and I, I saw, I uh, was watching uh, our team last night. Um, they did not fare so well against the Yankees and, and have not been faring well here lately. But Red Sox are on a slide right now. Yeah. You didn't wear your Red Sox T-shirt. Uh, that's yeah, it's my fault. Um, you're right, but I wore it yesterday and it didn't work. But uh, the 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 guy that hit the home run to win the game for the White Sox. Whose name escapes me? It's a short Tim story. Anderson, yeah. I believe. Uh, I think he's the one. One of the one of the White Sox that hit a home run anyway said they had never seen Field of Dreams. <laughs> yeah, it, that was him. That was him. Yeah, I uh, heard that. I heard that interview with him. Which is hard to believe that Field of Dreams is thirty-one years ago. Uh, uh, that's just unbelievable to me. I'm getting old. Well, yeah, most of the players there in the game weren't weren't even weren't born, born when the yeah. movie came out. So. Yeah. Well, what's on your radar for the next week, Lee? Well, obviously uh, Afghanistan, uh, Taiwan. 
um, and the Red Sox. Um, I've given up on my Pittsburgh Pirates um, and banished them to outer darkness because they're not very good. But I'm interested in the state budget. There's a, a you-know-what storm brewing there, uh, at least on, on my level down here. Uh, there are, I think there are five district court judges in District 2, which is uh, Beaufort, Martin, Washington counties. Uh, there's a move in that budget. Now, it hasn't been passed by the House, much less the Senate, but there's a move in the budget to to take one of their judgeships away and send it to uh, some, some county out west. And, and that's apparently due to a... Um, a ruling by a particular district court judge, who I think is a very good judge, uh, in uh, in that district several years ago, he held a realtor in contempt because her phone went off in court. After having been told you can't have a phone in court, if it goes off, you're going to be found in contempt. And there was a big hoorah about it. And uh, he he actually had an opponent in his last election put up by the Republicans um, in response to that, and she got steamrolled. And uh, that's uh, what I'm told is the basis for this effort to uh, to take that judgeship. And uh, I do some I do practice over there in that district some. So it, it's uh, I find that to be interesting. The whole budgetary process, particularly in the state, is interesting to me. Uh, so I'm going to be watching that. Um, I saw that um, I think it's passed. It may have passed both houses. They're, they've redefined or changed the age of consent to marry in this state. Um, and the governor has said he would sign that. So, so now we're in line with the surrounding states. So there's no longer this this um, need to, or you know people don't come here to get married under age. Uh, let's just tell our listeners what that's about because it's been in the press nationally for the last week or so that apparently North Carolina, you know, allows 14 year olds to get married, and there were people bringing children here to marry them. Yeah. Um, so, so that I, I thought that was interesting, and I think that's probably a good thing. And it's, it's frankly refreshing to see both sides or both parties sort of get behind something that, in my opinion, is 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 needed and will do some good. So, uh, I've been watching that, um, and uh, I think Afghanistan is going to dominate the news for a long time. I really do, and not in a good way. And by that, I mean I, I don't think the I think the pain is just starting. What about you? What's on your radar? Well, Afghanistan, of course, is a big story. The other story, which probably is getting even less attention now, is is at the border, and I'm continuing to watch that. There has been an interesting story came out this week about how the Border Patrol is dealing with a huge spike in COVID cases. As of the 16th, there were 400 agents that were quarantined, and nine had died of COVID-related complications. Throughout towns in Texas, you know, COVID numbers are going through the roof, and it's in large part because of this huge influx over the border. So unnecessary. So, I, you know, I find it interesting what's going on at the border. But at the same time, there was a study that came out just a few days ago that in July, uh, let's look at what the mainstream media said about it. NBC News covered the border for the entire month of July, three minutes and 43 seconds. ABC, 37 seconds. CBS didn't mention it at all. So if that's where you're getting your your information, and we know our listeners are, get, you know, they don't get their, all their information from the mainstream media. But if, they, if for those low information voters who are watching the mainstream media, they have no idea what's going on at yeah. the border. No clue. And it's a disaster. It is. It is. 
And we don't know about Hunter Biden either. No. Well, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Let's Think About That podcast. You can contact us at comments at letsthinkpodcast.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please click subscribe on your podcast provider and leave us a review.